first unbridled enthusiasm podcast of 2014 uh it feels good i guess uh it's been close to six months that i've been doing this i have no idea i can't even remember i took a long break there in between um when i was trying to figure out how to take this thing mobile and i figured that out was able to uh put up more episodes so for the first podcast of 2014, I thought I would uh, cover something personal in my life. Um, uh, undoubtedly, the people that listen to this podcast have probably by now realized uh, that I shut down my Facebook page and I shut down my Twitter page. Because uh, Twitter and Facebook, uh, I'm pretty sure, was invented by the devil. Because uh, it is just not a place for normal people i guess it is if you uh if you aren't immature enough to to be able to handle it you know it's just uh it's a tough place man i uh i saw something on tv or one of the shows a while back that said that facebook is now overtaken workplace relationships as like the main reason people get uh, divorced nowadays. And uh, I can see how it happens, man. Facebook and Twitter, man, it can get away from you. And especially that uh, the chat feature on Facebook, you know. It's easy to uh, go from, you know, just chatting with people to uh, getting inappropriate real quick because... Uh, not anybody not everybody on facebook are nice and normal people there's a lot of uh a lot of weirdos on there so not exactly sure how long this podcast is going to be uh this episode i just thought i'd log on and just uh ramble a little bit about what my uh life has been uh doing right now and uh and just uh talk about a few things like uh how amazing my wife is she's absolutely gorgeous and my best friend and uh sometimes it's tough to to uh to realize how much of a perfect beautiful person wants to be with such a knucklehead as myself but uh and she tells me a lot she tells me that uh uh, I've got to be a special and good person because uh, those are the only people that she picks. So that feels nice. But yeah, December December was a tough month, man. Um, you know, I did a lot of things that uh, I obviously should not have been doing. And uh, things got rough there for a while, but... Uh, you know, it's a testament sometimes to uh, the strength of a relationship 
when you go through rough waters and you kind of come out on the other side because uh you know we've done a lot of talking over the last couple weeks and uh you know it's just interesting you know you look at other people's relationships and how they uh interact with each other and communicate and stuff and uh you know some people they just don't talk i guess you know they just kind of live their lives and and don't take two minutes to sit down with their significant other or family or anything and just just talk you know like uh I don't think I ever really fully dealt with uh, my brother passing, you know. I just, uh, it was just kind of a horrible thing that happened, and I guess I just tried to put it away and just move on with my life, you know. And uh, that kind of stuff has a way of bubbling back up to the surface or turning into something else and causing other problems in your life you know so I started seeing somebody uh, to kind of help me deal with that and it's interesting you know because therapy gets kind of a weird connotation you know you're just like oh he's going to therapy it must be a wacko you know but you know I think everybody at some point in their life kind of just has to go talk to somebody you know Get the shit off your chest, you know. If you don't, it just, like, lives inside of you and eats you in two, you know. So it's, uh, it's nice to meet, uh, meet with them once a week and just kind of go over the things that are going on, you know. Just stuff in my head and, and, uh, it's just rough, man, you know. I apologize, I don't really want the first podcast of 2014 to be a a sad mopey time but uh you know i think that's what this uh why i kind of put this podcast together was just to kind of i don't know be a place where i can kind of just say stuff that i want to say you know and i think that's why people listen to this you know the uh tens of people that listen to this podcast kind of enjoy my point of view and my look on life and just kind of you know maybe some people out there are going through the same stuff and it's lethargic to listen to me bitch about it and go through it and stuff but you know it's just rough man the stuff that we have to deal with you know because my dad got sick in uh in 2007 me and my brother for uh the christmas the year before decided to uh get our money together and and take my dad to vegas for his christmas present and that trip was just amazing man so much fun i felt sorry for my brother because he got so worried about my dad that uh he didn't really have a good time he just kind of hovered around him to make sure that he was okay and you know, I mean, granted at that time he was like, I think he had was just turning 80 and that's kind of why we 
got the trip for him because it was his 80th birthday or whatever and you know he wasn't as mobile as he as he used to be and you know his health was kind of drooping a bit you know he had type 2 diabetes and other stuff so kind of figured you know this was the last hurrah and chance for him to kind of go and enjoy vegas so when uh when we got back from that trip i think it was only a couple months later that uh my mom came home from work and found him laying at the top of the stairs and took him to the hospital and he had this you know strange illness that nobody could figure out what it was and he fell ill with it like two more times before they figured out that uh, he had some kind of infection in his prostate or something like that. And and they were able to treat it, but uh, for some reason he just kept getting it over and over again. And every time that he got it, um, it knocked him even further back or down the ladder. And at some point one of the doctors said that, you know, he's just going to keep getting this every year, and every year it's going to be worse and worse for him to bounce back, so... He ended up in uh, some care centers, and then he was back in the hospital, and then other care centers and stuff. And uh, and me and my brother kind of took it upon ourselves to take care of him at home and be his 24-hour caregivers. And I'm sure there's uh, probably a lot of people out there that uh, have made that decision, you know, which I think is a good decision. But I think that people do need support, you know. It, it's one thing to kind of grant the person's wish to stay home and not be in a care center or a hospital. And I have a lot of respect for people that do that, you know, because I did it. And it is absolutely one of the toughest things I've ever had to do in my life. But uh, it's a hell of a lot fucking better than dumping your parents in a nursing home and never going to visit them ever again, you know. It's kind of a shitty thing to do. So we did it. We took care of him. And it was tough, man. A lot of long nights, you know. Getting your hopes up when he was good and getting discouraged when he'd have bad days. And it was just this whole, like, balancing act of uh, giving him his diuretics so he wouldn't gain too much water weight that would put pressure on his heart and not giving him too many diuretics because that would mess up with his kidneys and just, like, hundreds of pills a week that he had to take. And, you know, but you just take, uh, take memory of the small times, you know. The quiet, uh, quiet breakfasts, you know, where you got to have a laugh. And I mean, the only saving grace is that uh, even though his health was going, like, he never lost his personality or his smile or his, uh, just his way about him, you know. It's just like you hear about other people with Alzheimer's and uh, and dementia and, and all that kind of shit. And, I mean, those are the, the real genuine people that uh, are able to stay there and, and care for those people. And, you know, they have a special place in heaven for those people. But, yeah, I think the, the toughest part for, for us towards the end was 
for like three months. And it was almost like it was set up perfectly by a higher power or whatever. But towards the the last six months, my dad had uh, three perfect months where he felt great. He was actually getting up and walking around. You know, his weight was steady and just the old dad that we remembered. And it just so happened to be the months of October, November, and December. So we got to enjoy uh, a Thanksgiving with a lot of love and Christmas season with him just, you know, back to his old self again. And first part of January and then towards the end of January, you know, the fucking wheels just fell off, you know. He got sick again, and we took him into the hospital, and um, they felt like they kind of got him straight, and he came home for like three days, spent some time with his favorite dog, Sadie, and the family and everything, and, and then he just woke up one day, and... uh and he was just having a lot of problems, so we had to rush him back to the hospital. And and they told us that night that uh, his potassium levels in his kidneys were just, like, off the charts. So if those levels didn't come down by uh, in, like, two hours or three hours or something, his kidneys were going to shut down and he was going to die. So we just kind of... You know, stood vigil at the hospital, and he actually made it through the night, and there was a lot of optimism, but then, you know, it all came crashing down again when the doctor was like, well, yeah, he survived the night, but uh, irreparable damage has been done to his kidneys, and they tried this, and they tried that for like a week, and, you know, nothing really worked, and then they made the decision to... uh move him up to the hospice wing because there wasn't much more that they could do for him. And that was tough, man. Because he'd been kind of out of it for the whole week and we were only up in the hospice wing for maybe a half an hour. And he kind of, he woke up like coherent and realized that he was in a room that had like no medical supplies whatsoever. It was just just a room with like a couple couches on a television and and he got really scared and my amazing beautiful wife has always comforted him and just let him know it was going to be okay and uh he went back to sleep and then there was only one other time that he uh woke up cuz we we took turns spending time with him at the hospice wing because he was up there for about four or five days as everybody kind of just stood vigil waiting for him to pass. And he just wouldn't go, man. He just kept hanging on. And then out of nowhere one night it was me and my wife and my brother that were sleeping there. And he just shot out of bed at one point and just said that he was starving and he just wanted soup. And <laughs> once again, my amazing wife is just running around the hospital trying to find soup for my dad. <laughs> And there I was, just passed out like a rock on the 
the uh, the fold out bed and in the morning when they told me what went on, I couldn't believe it because I didn't even wake up for a second. And those fucking bureaucrats, man, they came in and told us that uh, they needed the room. So we either had to go home and die or go to an off-site hospice. Just drove us fucking nuts. But luckily there was a, there was a really amazing place two blocks down the road called NC Little. And uh, if you live in the Minneapolis area and you ever need to... Uh, put a grandparent or a parent into a hospice center uh, I would go there I would never go any other place the place was just absolutely amazing so they they moved them over there in the middle of February it was like snowing outside and all this crap and they got them over there and uh, just so much love and family just surrounding him and he was only there for six hours and he passed away. Uh, just, it's another thing that I just I deal with every day because, uh, you know, a lot of people, when they're there for a loved one's passing, you know, they look at it as a, as a gift. That, uh, what an amazing gift that you were able to to be there and and watch him go, and it's just something I struggle with every day, because on one hand, I I feel blessed that uh, that he waited until, you know, my mom and my brother and my sister and all the family and friends has gone, and it was just me and my wife, almost like uh, he wanted to have a private moment with me, as he passed, or and uh, I know that should feel like a gift, and it does. It just I'd never seen anybody die before, and it messes with my head, man. You know, I don't know if you've ever been at that point where somebody passes, you know, and I held his hand and it felt strange, man. It felt like when he did finally pass, like. I, f I felt energy rush out of him, and then it was just like, it was done. And, uh, we had to go tell my mom, and we left all our stuff there, so I had to go back by myself. And, uh, I remember going in there and getting my bag, and he was laying there quietly and just kissed him goodbye and I said, I love you, Pop. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's rough, the, the stuff that we're meant to just kind of deal with and swallow and, and move on with our lives as though that thing didn't happen. You know, and I've had a problem ever since I was a kid to just kind of cocoon inside myself and try to not feel the pain, you know, and try to make the mood lighter, you know. I've been a comedian for 13 years, but I feel like I've been a 
I've been a joke maker since I was a kid, man. You know, things would get heavy or sad, and I'd always try to lighten the mood. You know, because I didn't like I don't like that sad, heavy feeling in the room. You know, I want everybody to be happy. You know, I want everybody to be laughing and having a good time. You know. And uh, for a long time, I thought comedy was my calling, and I think it is. You know, I feel like I'm really good at this, and it comes easily, and it's kind of a natural flow of it. But uh, I've realized that comedy has also given me the ability to kind of escape life as well, you know. Things to get too heavy at home, you know, I can just go and live life on the road, you know, for three or five days by myself and just kind of let everybody at home deal with the problems and I'll just go out and have a good time by myself, you know. But it's changing, man. It's changing a lot since my daughter came along, man. It's just that just constant fight inside myself as I leave, you know. You got the uh, the small excitement of kind of leaving and being on the road and being a comic and just loving that life and the exhilaration of doing a comedy show and meeting new people and all that kind of stuff. But then to know my wife and daughter are home by themselves and I'm gone, you know. It's tough. But uh, I'm optimistic for the future, you know. My wife's going back to school to get a better job, which will give us a lot more opportunities in the future. And I probably won't be able to or have to tour as much as I do right now. I, I just, for a small time there, I thought about quitting the business, you know, just getting a normal job because... Uh, People think comedy is an amazing job, but it's tough on a lot of people, man. Some people just, they can't hack it, you know? That's why most comedians are are addicts, you know? Whatever it is, whether it's booze or sex or drugs or gambling or food or whatever, you know? You chase that high of the comedy show and, you know... I think that's the toughest thing for a comic later in his career is to find other things that give you that rush, you know, outside of comedy, just so you, you know, so you you feel a need to to want to do it as opposed to have to do it, you know, to make yourself feel whole. So I'm struggling with that, but I mean, uh my daughter makes every day amazing, so I just look towards her as you know the you know the shining light for the future. She's such a nut job, and uh I don't know if any DNA tests are gonna be have to be done. I mean, she's six months old, and she's already wearing 12-month-old clothes, so. <laughs> she 
She's in the 95 percentile for weight, head, and length. I think that's right. Or maybe it's head and head and length. She's in the 95 and weight. She's still in like the 70th or something like that. But she's just growing like a weed. And uh, I'm sure you guys see the pictures and stuff on Anita's, my wife's Facebook, if you know me and my wife. And uh, I'm still going to have the Mark Poulos comedian page up where you can get all the information. And largedrunkman.com is... Uh, going to be a good place to get a lot of information and uh if you like pandora uh i've got my own channel on there so if you just put in mark pulos uh i think all three of my full-length comedy albums are on pandora now and i did a bunch of uh funny songs in my early career which are all up on soundcloud now and everything's on itunes and rooftop comedy there's a lot of a lot of stuff online you can still find out my stuff but uh you know i just uh i just needed to unplug man you know it's uh it's a tough balancing act when uh you're kind of public like i am as a comedian and you kind of want to connect with your fans and and uh, cultivate a fan base so when you go back to places you know people will come out and and see your show because they like it and but then it's also that uh private life you know with your family and and your kids and stuff and when that stuff starts bleeding together you know it's you know no wife needs to see on facebook you know silly silly girlies after the show making comments on our family pictures you know that's just bs and i should have had the mark pulos comedian page for a long time and i just uh made the stupid decision of mixing everything together and and this is where it gets you <laughs> you know having major problems so it does feel good you know I think I've been unplugged for about two weeks from anything social media wise and it's amazing the amount of things that you can get done when you're not obsessing about uh, messages or likes or uploads or followers or any of that BS and the truth is man I was on Twitter for I think it was two or three years and had like 300 followers half of them were probably you know fake profiles or porno things no one ever was like, eh, I came to your show because of Twitter, you know, it was just BS and back and forth with comedians most of the time and doing stupid shit on there. So you don't really need that. I was surprised to find out how much porn there is on Twitter, just like the sheer volume. It's lunacy. But I guess uh, porn kind of creeps its way into everything, right? No matter what it is. There's always going to be porn in it because there's, you know, money to be had. But, uh, yeah, if you are a happily married person and you're on Facebook and Twitter, just be careful because that shit can really get away from you fast. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just a lot of 
a lot of shit that's been weighing on me and I just kind of wanted to get it off my chest and if anybody else out there is kind of suffering with uh, grief or just, you know, needing somebody to talk to, you just got to get out there, man. Just start talking to people. Because, uh, you know, you keep it inside. It just eats you up, man. I mean, I I held stuff in for so long, I I would have stomach problems and you know, violent acid reflux, and I always thought it was because of my diet or whatever, and obviously my diet for a long time was horrible, but I really think it was just keeping all that shit deep down inside that would just eat away at me and just causing more problems than anything, so I think that's the key, you know, you just gotta communicate, you know, talk to the people around you, you know. Since I started down this path three weeks ago, you know, I've had some amazing conversations, you know, with my mom and sister and sister-in-law and and just friends and stuff and just kind of, you know, just saying stuff that needs to be said, you know? I mean, just think how horrible you'd feel if you get to the end of your life and you just look back and you're like, man, I never said anything. You know, I just kept it to myself and I let it eat me alive. You know, just, you got to get it out there. Sometimes it's going to hurt people, you know. And I guess that's kind of selfish, you know. If you know it's going to hurt them, you want to say it just so you feel better and you know it's going to hurt them. Well, you know, you got to take that under consideration. But, you know, with loss and grief and... And, you know, I think Mark Marin said it best, you know, he did a a joke in his act or something about, uh, you know, somebody said to him, like, you know, you're, you're so neurotic and depressed and sad all the time. What's wrong with you? And he's like, what's wrong with me? He's like, the world is in a... In a in a spiral of shit, people are dying and starving, and and you're zipping down the street with a Starbucks and a smile. Maybe you're the one that's off the fucking rocker, you know. I'm sure, it's not word for word what that joke was, but it was kind of that idea, like, you know, maybe the people that are silly and laughy and smiley all day aren't the normal ones. Maybe they are the nut jobs, you know. Yeah, but who knows. You know, it's one step at a time, day by day, you know, you just, my dad always told me when I was a kid, he said, you know, I think the biggest thing that people need in their life is something to look forward to, whether it's, uh, you know, you, that special coffee in the morning that you go get, or, you know, visiting your grandkids in, in Maine, or that uh that fra- favorite tv show that comes on saturdays or you know it's just everybody needs something to look forward to you know something that that makes them smile or something that uh gets them out of bed in the morning you know and that's just what we need man it's just something to look forward to and find the things that make you happy and 
stop doing the shit that hurts the people around you and hurts yourself, you know? Just uh just try to try to live life like life should be, you know, lived, you know. Treat people the way you want to be treated, you know. Stop the bad habits, you know, get help, talk to somebody. Just start the year out right. That's what it's all about, you know. New Year's resolutions, deciding to change and move on and be better, you know. And as I look forward to 2014, that's that's all I hope for in my life is, uh, as they say in the serenity prayer, you know, uh, You know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That's serenity, man. That's what it's all about. So I appreciate you guys tuning in again. This is uh, the Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast. Um, I'm your host, Mark Poulos, as always. Um, so uh podbean is where you get the podcast uh, largedrunkman.com for tour dates and links to everything else and uh mark pulos comedian on facebook's got all the information up there and uh yeah just keep tuning in man i'm gonna keep cranking these out hopefully the next couple will be funny and not as uh depressing as this one but Sometimes you got to get shit off your chest, you know, and not everybody has a platform like this and you can't do this depressing shit on stage or I'd never get my check at the end of the week. So you guys are stuck with it. So I always appreciate it, man. And all the people out there that listen to this podcast, thank you so much, uh, so much. And, you know, God bless you and uh, hope for a happy and uh, healthy uh, 2014. So. Hope you guys tune in next time when we'll talk about who knows.